turn in your Old Testaments to Psalm 136, verse 1. Uh, it's been a, a real joy to be able to, to really spend some time on the concept of giving thanks. You know, we finished our last series and had a few Sundays uh, left over before we began Advent in a few weeks. And so uh, every week, really looking at what giving thanks means, and I've appreciated the feedback, and I know the reason I'm getting feedback is I've given homework uh, on giving thanks every week, and I'm going to give you some homework a little later uh, for Thanksgiving Day as well. Well, let's go to the Lord, and then let's open His Word. Lord, You are the God of creation. You are the God of covenant, you are the God of grace and our God, and you have spoken. And Lord, so often our ears are not open to the living God speaking to us, but here in your house this morning, would you open our ears, would you open our minds, and would you open our hearts that we might gain understanding, real understanding, and give you thanks. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So Thanksgiving Day uh, often sounds like this. If you were to kind of kind of tape families on Thanksgiving Day, uh, it would sound like this. Thank you for all the many blessings that we have received. Um, thank you for our family. Thank you for our health. Thank you for our country, uh, for our freedom. Basically, thank you for our plenty. And that is on a good day called Thanksgiving. It seems that Americans are not known to be grateful people. From an article in the Wall Street Journal this week, quote, only 52% of women... And 44% of men express gratitude on any regular basis, according to a 2012 survey in the United States by the John Templeton Foundation. Okay, so that's barely a little bit more than half of women and less than half of men. That means that altogether we are pretty much 50% a thankless group of people. So... Thanksgiving, uh, this, this day that's been set apart that we've celebrated in this nation for so long, it, it turns out, at least if the statistics are correct, to be a very needed holiday to engage our gratitude. Or maybe we should say engage our ingratitude. And yes, we do need to thank God for His provision. And all of these things that... Uh, that I mentioned that we talk about on Thanksgiving. The psalm focuses on God's provision, and we used a part of the psalm for our call to worship. But basically, as you read the psalm, and I'd like for you to read the psalm, it kind of breaks it into three dimensions of God's provision. It, it, it talks about what God has made and all that God has given to us and praising God for his provision in his creation. And then it talks about God's acts of redemption and deliverance and how God delivered 
Israel from the hands of the Egyptians and delivered them out of slavery. And then, finally, it talks about how God, after he delivered them, gave his people a home in the promised land and the defeat of the kings and and the peoples that were there. So, you know, it's about thanking God for his provision of material creation, his redemption, his deliverance, all the way to thanking God for the promised land. But the reason that I chose Psalm 136 is that Psalm 136 takes us deeper than provision. It's not about what God has done first and foremost. It is foremost because this is where it starts. And and the whole psalm is framed. It is about who God is and therefore what he does. Give thanks to the Lord For he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. And so I'd like to to look at this just from two angles. And that is that God is good. And that God is love. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. And so let's look at this idea that God is good. It starts out with that familiar line, actually Psalm 107, Psalm 118, and Psalm 136 have this exact same line because it's an important opening line to several of the Psalms. And they all root, all these Psalms, they all, they all root the thanksgiving that follows in those Psalms in the goodness of God. And here's the important thing that I want you to write down. So I want you to literally write this down, okay? And this is your homework to talk about this. And I'll get to God's love in a minute. I'm talking about this Thursday. I want you to talk about this. Here's the sentence I want you to write down. God is not good because of what he does. Write that down. God is not good because of what he does. Period. God does what he does because he is good. God is not good because of what he does. God does what he does because he is good. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. And that makes a lot of difference. And it it is so helpful because... We as human beings simply do not have an ability to measure the goodness of God. In other words, God is good and God is providing in ways that we can't see. And I think that rooting thanksgiving in the goodness of God saves us from standing judgment over God when we don't quite like things in our lives. And in harder times, don't you think we tend to forget God's provision. So it is helpful to focus not on how we are feeling about what's going on in our lives, but on His goodness as the source of all that is good. The Puritans had this wonderful title for God. They called Him the fountain of all goodness. It's a very active description of God. Can you see a fountain? He's the fountain of all goodness. 
In fact, the original Saxon meaning of our English word God literally comes from the word good. So in English, God is the good. Can I ask you a question? Do you see God as the good? That's who he is. I love what Charles Spurgeon wrote. He wrote, we must never tolerate even a moment of unbelief concerning the goodness of God. Whatever else may be questioned, this is absolutely certain that Jehovah is good. His ways of dealing with us may vary, but his nature is always the same. God is good all the time. It's who he is. I don't know about you, but that's a very comforting thing. With my limited ability to perceive things and interpret things, to interpret it through what God's Word says about this God who is over all and is our Father through Jesus Christ. In fact, we learn in the Scriptures that only God is good. You know, in Matthew 19, when Jesus answered the rich young ruler, he said, there is no one good but God. Good teacher, you know, we, there's, no, there's no one good but God. That's not, by the way, what our culture says about human beings. Our culture says we're all good. And we just need to educate ourselves out of the badness that, that kind of tempts us. And that is not the way it is. No one is good but God. And this is the start, the starting point of thanksgiving. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. J.R. Packer kind of talks about the, the way we experience God's goodness. He says every meal, every pleasure... Every possession, every little bit of sunshine, every night's sleep, every moment of health and safety, everything else that sustains and enriches life is a gift of God. And how abundant His gifts are. Do you see life that way? Or is it just kind of like, you know, we treat God like an SEC coach. You know, you didn't give me a bowl game this year, you're fired. I mean, are we looking to God to kind of just do these big, this big stuff in our life? Or every time we wake up and have sleep and God has recharged us for the day, we say, yes, you're good. you are good. Every time we're able to eat, we say, yes, you, you are good. James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, and there's no shifting of shadow with Him. It all comes from this God who is the fountain of goodness, who never changes, totally reliable as good. Isn't that wonderful? Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. No matter what is going on in your life right now, and there's a lot of things going on in people's lives right now, no matter, we root our perceptions in the truth about who God is. Give thanks 
to the Lord, for He is good. Now, I'd like to talk for a minute about the the pilgrims. You know, the pilgrims left Europe, and in 1620, they landed in Plymouth Harbor, what we now call at Plymouth Rock. Uh, It's a big date uh, in American history. And we celebrate these people with funny hats and their interesting outfits and, you know, their, their ways. Did you know that winter hit when they landed in Plymouth? Did you know that approximately half of the entire company died that winter and were buried that winter? That's, the, that's, the, that's what we don't really hear about. And after this death on steroids, this just death everywhere, that's when they set apart this celebration of the thanksgiving of the goodness of God. I mean, there was like thick family death in the air still lingering there were still tears and, and grief for breakfast, lunch, and dinner when Thanksgiving was called for. I mean, we remember it. You know, we, this is the way we tell it in schools and stuff. We remember they made friends with the Indians. And they, you know, they ate the fruit of the harvest. And they, they ate uh, the game and they actually played games, we're told, in celebration of God's goodness. But we've kind of removed the death and devastation from their story. If half the people in your family died, you would give thanks. Yes, you could if you rooted thanksgiving in who God is. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. And they did. And we, through Psalm 136, these other psalms are still being called by God today to respond to who He is by giving thanks. So, this Thanksgiving, do you believe that God is good no matter what the circumstances in your life happen to be? Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. The second one is, his steadfast love endures forever. So God is good, and God is love. God loves us. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Twenty-six times in Psalm 136, there is a give thanks statement. And there, or, or a, a statement of what God did. 26 times it's answered by the same refrain. And we, we did this through the call to worship. His steadfast love endures forever. His steadfast love endures forever. His steadfast love endures forever. What is this steadfast love? It's an Old Testament word, and we've described it here many times before as we've taught the Old Testament from this pulpit. But it's an Old Testament word that means the loyal love of God. His steadfast, you get steadfast, remaining, loyal 
love of God. It is the, I'll, I'll say it in English and we'll say it in, in Hebrew. It is the hesed, love of God. If you say it correctly, it is the chesed, love of God. You want to you do that? Let's do, the, let's do the Hebrew way. The chesed, love of God. You're all Hebrew scholars now. It's the covenant love of God. It's the fact that God is a God who makes promises and He keeps them and He is the same. He is good and His love is eternally loyal. God chose His people and God loves His people. You can count on that because that's what He's like. God chose His people and God loves His people. You see, God's Goodness is more than His generous provision of things for us. It's, it's also about who He is and His goodness. And it's also about, in our text, this primary thing that is the refrain over and over. It is the gift of relationship that never goes away. It is the gift of love that is always there on God's part to us. A New Testament version of this would be uh, Romans 8:32. He who did not spare his own son, how shall he not also with him freely give us all things? And so what we see is the relationship through the son is the primary cause of the provision of all things. Do you see that? It's the exact same thing in Psalm 136. His steadfast love endures forever. So let's thank him. Because we can trust Him. And He will provide. God's goodness to us is bound up in His sacrificial, promise-keeping, never-quitting, loyal love for you. Loyal love for you. Never quitting. I mean, just like the sun is coming up tomorrow morning unless the Lord returns... And you will feel its heat and you will feel its light. That More sure than the sun is this loyal love of God. God is always good. God is always love. Folks, this is good news. In fact, his chesed love will outlast the sun. God puts it this way in Isaiah 54, For the mountains may depart. For the mountains may depart and the hills be removed, but my steadfast love shall not depart from you, and my covenant of peace shall not be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. If the mountains are moved, I don't move. I love you. It is chesed love. In the Old Testament, we read the narrative that becomes the cycles of God consistently loving His people when they did not love Him. You know these cycles where they love the Lord and then they don't love the Lord. I'm talking about His people. And they worship other gods and they go their own way and God brings them back. You think that 
somewhere along that cycle, God would just say, just let them go. But God did not let them go. If you put your trust in Christ, God will not let you go. I want to talk about a little bit more about how this relationship is more sure in our lives. But his covenant love was there when their love was not loyal to him. The promise of God is for relationship with sinners. That'd be you. That'd be me. Like you have to be a sinner to qualify for God's grace that comes through his covenant. Anybody that does not think they are a sinner, anybody that thinks they're righteous cannot have it. I have not come for the righteous. I've come for sinners. I've not come for people that don't think they are sick. I've come for people that know they are sick. Jesus keeps talking about the fact that God is bringing the kingdom now. God is answering the longing of the centuries right now through His presence. The faithfulness of God appearing on the scene right now. The Holy God promised relationship by promising a Savior. And uh, the greatest monument... To God's chesed love is the cross. And God has erected one monument to his love that will, will stand forever, so to speak. And that is the cross where Jesus, the Messiah, died for us to give us new life with God. You know, in the Old Testament, all those lambs, bulls, and goats... All those animals that were sacrificed as a part of covenant stipulations were only sacrificed picturing this fulfillment, this answer of loyal love, of the final lamb, the once and for all sacrifice, God's only son. Uh, This isn't like other religions and it's fascinating how people in our world today one of their their strategies so to speak of marginalizing ancient christianity is to homogenize all religions i remember i was on a trip one time and i was talking to a really fine nice hindu gentleman it was the hindu gentleman and his wife gina and myself Mac and Cindy McGee in this congregation were sitting there and a lady from New Zealand. And um, when we introduced ourselves, I asked him if he was a Hindu. The man from India, he said, yes, they were Hindus. And it came out that I was a pastor. That's not always good, by the way, when that comes out. And so, you know, I, I wasn't really making a big deal out of it. But the lady from New Zealand said... I can't do her accent, but she said something like this. She said, you know, I'm from New Zealand, and I'm considering different religions right now, and I'm looking into Eastern religion. We were just kind of sitting there waiting on dinner to start, and um, she said, would you and the Hindu man mind comparing and contrasting? <laughs> and do you know, Indians, Indians are so nice. And he said, that would be fine. And he said, I would like you, Joseph, to do it. 
And that was not fair. <laughs> and I said, only with one condition, that since I'm not an expert in Hinduism, I've read The Idiot's Guide to Hinduism and a couple other books before I went to India. I said, only if you'll correct me if I'm wrong. And so I won't go through the whole thing, but, you know, we said, you know, in, there's only one God in, in Christianity and, and there's millions of God and God's personal and he loves you in Christianity. God's impersonal and he doesn't love anybody because he's not a he or he's not a person and there's no love of God. We, we kind of talked about karma, you know, and karma's like the retribution for every thing you do wrong down to the nano whatever of what you do wrong there is not one shred of grace in karma in the punishment that comes around and then i talked about grace in christianity psalm 103 god does not treat us as our sins deserve nor does he repay us according to our iniquity for as high as the heavens are above the earth so great is his love to those who fear him as far as the east is from the west so far has he removed our transgressions from us and uh, the Indian gentleman said, that's right. The, the, the New Zealand lady said, no grace? He said, no grace. And she said, I think I like Christianity better. <laughs> but at the end of the discussion, what I appreciated as much as anything else is we were heading to dinner and he said, uh, Joseph, do you know what I appreciated about that discussion? He said, I appreciated the fact that you respected my religion as being distinct from yours. He said, you know what makes me furious? He said, I live in, he lives in New Jersey, like New York, New Jersey, you know. He said, when people tell me there's no fundamental difference between Hinduism and, and Islam and Christianity, he was furious. He loved the fact that we can contrast. Well, I'm going to tell you something. There is a difference. There is one true and living God. His name is Yahweh. And he is a promise-making and a promise-keeping God. He is the God of the covenant. He is the God of Messiah. He is the God who has sent his son. You, this, is, this is different from any religion. You, you see, um, in the other religions, you have to show loyalty to God to be accepted. You, whatever that God is, to be accepted by Him. And in ours, God shows loyalty to you. God pursues you. In other religions, you have to sacrifice to the gods to appease them, to keep them happy, to not have a miserable life. Y'all, in the Scriptures, God sent His only Son to sacrifice Himself for us. I mean, this is just religion on its head. This is amazing. That same Wall Street Journal article, a psychologist, uh, there's a secular definition, described gratitude this way. He said, quote, gratitude starts with a realization of what we have received from others and what it costs them. That's the secular definition of gratitude. I'm loving that as a Christian because that is what makes Christianity so amazing. What we receive from others and what it costs them. God sent His only Son. It only cost Him His life. It only cost Him enduring our eternal punishment on our behalf, sacrificing for us. Give thanks to the Lord for He is good. His steadfast love endures forever. He promised. He's kept His promise. He has given His Son. That's what's so amazing about the cross. 
When you behold a bleeding Savior, you know you can trust Him. Because He's not selling you anything. and He's not trying to get you to do anything. He is bleeding for you. You know He loves you. You know you can trust Him. So behold a bleeding Savior. Loyal love. And when you get that, and when you put your trust in Christ, the Son of God, sent as Messiah and sacrifice for your salvation and what He has done, rather than your own works, rather than trusting in what you can do to appease God, it won't work because we're sinners. When you put your trust in Him and His provision, I'm going to tell you something. You have Him and His loyal love all the way to heaven and then in heaven forever. Remember I told you that Psalm 136 breaks down into three components. It talks about thank you know, give thanks to the Lord who created the light and who created this and, and all this goodness of God in creation. And then the second part was uh, that he that he you know delivered his people out of the hands of the Egyptians. And then that third part was is he he finally gave them the promised land. I want you to know something. We're gonna gain the promised land because God is good, and God's chesed love endures forever. So. Why don't we uh, use, we don't normally use national holidays, but why don't we? Are y'all going to celebrate Thanksgiving? Okay. Why don't we let Thanksgiving jumpstart a regular action of giving thanks in our lives? God gives Because God is good. God loves with loyal love that gave it all. So, here's your homework. Other than read that sentence I gave you earlier about the goodness of God. God, thank you for blank. Great. Thank you for my family, thank you for a job. Thank you for sustenance. Thank you for our freedom. Great. Do that. God, thank you for blank. And Lord, it is because you are good and you love me that I give you thanks. Give thanks to the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His chesed, loyal love, endures forever. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, it's just breathtaking to think about Your goodness and Your loyal love. To think about the fact that You do not change, and even though... We experience different things. 
we know that you're not only there, but that you are good and we can trust you. If you've never put your trust in what Christ has done for you on the cross and received the risen Christ into your life, and you'd like to know personally this God of covenant love, pray with me if this is what God is leading you to do. Lord, I see it, and I want to turn from everything that I have called religion and everything that I have called Christianity. I want to turn from my own self and my own sin and put my trust, Jesus, in what you have done for me in your sacrifice on my behalf on the cross. Thank you that even now you have forgiven me. I just receive you, risen Christ, into my life And thank you that you've given me new life. Lord, would you keep me focused on this amazing grace so that I will never lose a heart of gratitude. Lord, there are many of us who have known you and we've walked with you for quite some time. And perhaps we have found ourselves in the wrong part of those statistics. And we're so worried and we're so entitled and we're so demanding. And you are good and you are love. Lord, would you convict us of our lack of grasping your goodness and your love and show us this? Would you convict us of our ingratitude and give us gratitude? Even now, elevate yourself in our hearts and therefore elevating your goodness to us. Help us to give thanks to you because you are good and your steadfast love endures forever. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.